So much fun. I love our church family. I love the River Church. I love your heart and passion for kids and for families and such. It's just awesome to be a part of this church family. By the way, are you guys hot in this room or is it just me? You're hot. Okay, I'm hot too. Could somebody in the back look at those things, kick on the air conditioning, whatever we need to do? There's two of them in this room, and we're going to try and cool this room off like lickety split. Otherwise, I'll just pass out. Uh, So, yeah, it's all about Brad. Um, All right. Well, you know, we've talked about it already. All right, it's no surprise today's Mother's Day, right? And of course, it's Hallmark and American Greetings' favorite day of the year um, because they do a lot of business. You know, get this, $671 million is going to be spent this year on Mother's Day cards. Part of that's because they've gone up in price so much, but I'm just saying, it's a lot. $1.9 billion in flowers on Mother's Day. And uh, as I heard from a news report from you, uh, Lindsay, was uh, $31.7 billion is going to be spent this year in total on gifts and everything else for Mother's Day. And the busiest day of the year at car washes, I never knew this, was yesterday. Of all things, everybody get in the car ready. Top five gifts that moms like to receive. Maybe you're sitting here going, uh-oh, I didn't get, I'll get one for my wife or whatever. Uh, here's, here's, it's really easy. First, number one thing that, that women like to receive is something that's homemade. So you can still have time, go home, put together a little card. Um, dinner is another one. Uh, getting a greeting card is number three. A gift card is number four. Flowers is number five, and everything else just trails off. I'm sure diamonds could pop to the top, but that's not on the list. You know? And you know, while we certainly want to celebrate moms on Mother's Day, it's interesting because former President George Bush's uh, mom, Barbara, if you remember Barbara Bush, Barbara Bush actually called Mother's Day uh, a big ripoff. And it's interesting that she would call it that. And for a lot of different reasons, uh, people, people consider Mother's Day to be a very difficult day. Now, I come from a home, and Heidi comes from a home, where we had super loving, we have super loving moms that have poured into our lives. And, you know, like my mom, her influence on me is one that I continue to have. I call my mom practically every day. When I'm in the car and I, I know I won't be able to reach Heidi for one other reason, my mom's the one I call, and we just chat, and that's, that's who I connect with. I know Heidi talks to her mom every day, too. And, you know, for some of you, you may have had a similar home life, and so Mother's Day is a great day, and you're excited about Mother's Day, and it's a lot of fun. But I also recognize that there's some of you here and some of you watching who may not have had that kind of a home life. And so when Mother's Day hits, uh, it's hard. In fact, a lot of people avoid, I know we're full today, but a lot of people avoid church on Mother's Day because it's hard. Um, maybe your mom died and there's still that pain that you have. Or maybe your folks divorced and you didn't you know, grow up with your mom. Or maybe she was abusive, you know, emotionally or physically. Or maybe she abandoned you uh, emotionally or physically. But for some people, Mother's Day is really tough. Some people struggle over the pain of loss on Mother's Day, the loss of children, uh, either through death or through death through miscarriage or abortion, or the loss of a dream of having children of your own, or maybe for some moms it's a tough day. I know I'm going through a lot of things, but I want to kind of hit it. For some, it's just a tough day because a lot of moms that I've talked to feel guilt over just not being the mom that they want to be or that they think they ought to be. And the real realization is is that life is messy and families are messy. And whether you're a mom or dad, you can sometimes feel like you fall short. But I really appreciate what Mystique said earlier about how God knows all of you and he knows all of us and that every one of us matters. And the reality is, is that for those of you who show up today or are watching today and, and you're feeling a pain uh, over this day, you need to know that God knows your hurt. Your heavenly father knows your hurt and Jesus is your shepherd. And as your shepherd, he knows the wounds that you carry. 
And he'll meet you right at that place of sadness and, and hurt too. So what I'd like to do is just start off before we kick into our message today with a prayer, and then we'll get into our study. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for your goodness to us. And I want to ask right now, just God, that you'd guide the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, that they will be pleasing in your sight, and they will be beneficial and encouraging for everyone who's participating in this service. I also pray for those for whom today is tough, that your grace and your love will just wash over them, that your healing balm will be placed on those painful places, and that they will experience your soothing calm and peace today. God, we thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, we're going to be taking a look at a mother in the Bible who's just a very brave woman, and she really exemplifies brave women around the world and brave women here at the River Church. Whether or not a woman has had children, the quality of bravery is often unrecognized and uncelebrated. In fact, the least likely person to recognize a woman's bravery is the woman herself. Your calling in life matters. Whatever that calling is, whether it's as a mom or as a wife or in the marketplace, whatever that calling is, it matters. And you work hard and you sacrifice daily and you love people unconditionally and you need to know that it matters so much. Regardless of your role, I want to tell every single woman here, regardless of your age or your stage, those of you watching online, that you are doing valuable kingdom work for Jesus that matters. It matters. So I was talking to a couple of women about this message a while back. Uh, they shared how women tend to focus on negatives about themselves, not the positives. You know, it's kind of like a guy will look in the mirror and he'll just see the good things, you know, and he'll be like, I look pretty good, you know. But for women, it's totally different. In fact, research has shown that on average, women have 13 negative body thoughts a day, some up to 100. So trying to work against that and think good things is really a challenge and not to see ourselves the way God sees us. And none of us as men or women are aware of all the thoughts that go on into somebody's mind. They may look all put together and things may seem to be fine, but inside there are wounds and inside there are brokenness. But today what I want to do is I just want to focus on the qualities of a brave woman. And women, whether you see it in yourself or not as a brave woman, maybe you do, but maybe you struggle with that. I really hope that by the end of our time today that you'll see some qualities in yourself where you're able to say, I, I am a brave woman. And while the context of what we're talking about is around Mother's Day and the illustrations are primarily of a mom, the, the qualities that this woman we're going to look at ex, that exhibits are true for every single woman, woman. And men, my hope is that by the end of our time today, is that for all of you men, that you won't make just like Mother's Day or a birthday or a holiday a time of celebrating the brave qualities that you see in the women around you, but instead, you're going to be more attuned to noticing and celebrating and identifying and bringing these things out in the women that are around you as well. The main point that we're going to make today, the main overarching point, is simply that brave women are to be honored and celebrated. So we're going to take a look at a mother in the Bible that's not very well known. In fact, her name is only mentioned two times in all of the Bible. And uh, but, but as a mom, the story of what she did has been told over and over and over again through generations. If you went to Sunday school growing up, you may have heard, heard the story about her as well. Her name is Jochebed. Okay. Now, here we go with Jochebed. I'm going to just show you on the screen Numbers 26, verse 59. Here's what it says. It says, the name of Amram's wife was Jochebed, the daughter of Levi, who was born to Levi in Egypt. And she bore to Amram, look at this, Aaron and Moses 
And Miriam, their sister, and actually is in kind of reverse order as far as their birth. The birth was girl, boy, boy. It was Miriam and then Aaron and then Moses, who was the baby of the family. The story goes like this, and some of you know the storyline. 350 years earlier, Joseph, a young boy, was sold into slavery by his brothers, betrayed by them. And then Joseph's family, and I'm giving you the snapshot, kind of the, um, just the real quick version of this. But um, then years later, Joseph's brothers and his dad and their families all moved to Egypt. Over the 350 years, that population grew by those families to become the Israelite nation that was in Egypt of about two to three million people. And so many people, and they were all enslaved by the Egyptians, but so many people that, that Pharaoh started getting nervous about all the people. Uh, and so, you know, with this population explosion, he called in the leading midwives, and their names are Shifra and Pua, and the Pharaoh ordered these two women to kill any Israelite boy that was born. Well, that didn't work, because these women feared God more than they feared Pharaoh, and so they let the boys live, and, and Pharaoh called them in, and he said, what's going on here? Why are these kids living? And they said, ah, oh, these Israelite women are a lot hardier than the Egyptian women. They just push them out, and they're born before we get there. And that was, the, that was their story, so what's Pharaoh do? Pharaoh then gives this order. Take a look at this in uh, Exodus 1.22. It says, Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you'll let every daughter live. The Pharaoh who uh, issued that decree was the I. That would constitute the big ripoff, wouldn't it? When you give birth to a son, and you know that son's going to be taken, going to be thrown into the river to drown. There's three things that we're going to draw from the life of Moses' mom. If you have a Bible with you, I'm going to have you turn to Exodus chapter 2 so you can follow along with us as we're going through this. But there's three things we're going to pull from her life. The first thing is, it's just a brave woman is tender toward God. Take a look with me just at verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, Now a man from the house of Levi went and took, took as his wife a Levite woman. Now, this is talking about Amram and Jochebed. When you grew up, in your household growing up, many of you had a mom who was like the primary spiritual influence in your home. On the one hand, that's a very good thing. In fact, Abraham Lincoln said, no man is poor who's had a godly mother. On the other hand, it's a challenge to men regarding your role as being the spiritual influence in the home. You know, it, that's just the biblical standard, is that men are to be laying out the biblical influence in the home. That doesn't mean you have to know more. That just means like what you guys have done today, that you'd be the guy who says, hey, we're going to church today, that you'd be the guy who says, hey, we're going to be uh, praying today, or we're going to be studying the Bible together today, or we're going to read this devotional today, or we're going to have devotions with the kids and do, do their bedtime Bible stories today, that you'd be the spiritual influence. In the home of Amram and Jochebed, it's not that Jochebed was the leading spiritual influence in the home, because we're told in this verse that they are both Levites. For the reader in the Old Testament, they would have understood what this meant, because the Levites would eventually become the one tribe out of the 12 that were supposed to be leading the way as far as the spiritual care of the tabernacle. That God said of the Levites, they are the Israelites to be given wholly to me. And so Moses is born into this tribe that is eventually going to be devoted and dedicated to serving in the tabernacle and as Levitical priests. Part of the testimony to Amram and Jochebed's mutual faith comes actually in the New Testament. I don't know if you knew this, but they are mentioned in the New Testament. In Hebrews chapter 11 in what's called the Hall of Faith, it's an incredible uh, chapter to read, but in chapter 11, verse 23, it talks about Moses' parents. Take a look at this. 
It says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. And I know it's the first two words, by faith. It was his parents' faith, their mutual faith in God, mom's faith, dad's faith, their mutual faith in God, that they were going to hide this, this boy because they saw that this child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Why weren't they afraid? Why wasn't mom afraid? Because she had faith in God. Because she was tender toward God. And a brave mom has that kind of tenderness and closeness with God, and a brave woman has that kind of tenderness and closeness to God that allows her to trust God completely as they fulfill their role in whatever it is. Jochebed was willing to defy the king's edict because she's brave. There is a need today for brave Christian parents, dads and moms, who will take a stand for what they know is right and wrong in how they raise their children. The TV shows they watch, the friends they play with, the homes they go and spend the night at, the games they're playing on TV or on their phones, the social media stuff they're involved in, the music they listen to, the websites they visit, you know, all of those things. Parents who aren't afraid of culture or peer pressure or pressure by what other parents do or what other parents allow, what other parents think is neat. But parents who are tender toward God. Do you agree with me? I mean, we need that today. Parents who are going to do what's best to align their heart with God's heart and endeavor to lead their children that way as well. Another way that that personal relationship with God, that tenderness toward God matters, is in prayers for their children. I mean, I just know, I know that I'm a product of my mom's prayers. I know that one of the most important things that we can do, moms, I'll just tell you right now, when, when you are frustrated or you feel like you're falling short, let me just tell you, the most important thing you can do is pray for your kids. The most important thing that a brave woman can do is pray for those around them. Children need the intercessory prayers of their mothers, and many of us are where we are today because of the faithful prayers of our moms. We owe them more for our prayers than for anything else. Second thing, a brave woman will fight for what's right. A brave woman will fight for what's right. When I was thinking about brave women outside the context of mothers, I thought about women who have served bravely, courageously in our armed forces with honor. I thought about those who serve on rescue squads or you know, on, uh, with urgency and with compassion. I thought about the, all the first responders. I thought about those in the medical field. I thought, about, I thought about women who've risen above their past sins and their past mistakes, and they, they've done so with confidence in Jesus Christ. They haven't allowed themselves to be identified by their past, but by their present in Jesus. That's a brave woman. I thought about those who've wrestled through the scars and the trauma of abuse. One out of every four women, at least, were sexually abused, let alone any other forms of abuse. And the women who've done the hard work and come through that with purity and strong. Or those who face financial mountains, in particular, I think of single parents, some of you are married, you face financial mountains even right now, and you're like, how are we ever going to get through this? But you're brave as you trust in God in the middle of it. I wasn't going to mention this, but I think in the Bible it talks about that, that woman who is the widow. And Jesus was watching as people are giving their, their tithes to God, and she comes up with these two small copper coins, which was the smallest amount you were allowed to give. And she trusts God because she puts that in there, and it's all she had to live on. 
That was a brave woman who trusts God. I think about brave women who are just secure in, the, in who God has made them to be. And not by what the world's standards are that are always shifting and trying to gauge, you know, how, how good they are based on how many likes they get. We have a lot of brave women at the River Church, don't we? Women who fight for what's right, even when everything around them is pushing in the opposite direction. Well, take a look with me just at verse 2 here in Exodus 2. It says, The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months, which is pretty much what we read in Hebrews as well. As I said earlier, Moses was not the firstborn to Jochebed and to Amram. They had their son, Aaron, uh, who was three years older than Moses. And then they had their firstborn, Miriam, who was, uh, and so that made Moses was the baby of the family. And I thought about what it would have been like. Think about this. What would it have been like for her when she finds out she's pregnant and she knows about this edict of Pharaoh that all the boys are going to be thrown into the Nile? She's got nine months of waiting. Nine months of not knowing if this is going to be a boy or a girl. Nine months maybe even of praying that it's a girl. Thinking through her plan, thinking through what she's going to do, thinking through how she's going to protect this child. It was not a normal, joyful time of being pregnant. When the Bible says that he was a fine child in the original Hebrew language, what it means is that they noticed that there was something special about this baby. As he was laid on her chest, he looked different. He was, by any parent's standard, a beautiful baby. And it was the love that Jochebed had for her boy that compelled her to hide him and to do all that she could to look out for his well-being. And mom and dad both were complicit in trying to hide him. Can you imagine what those three months were like? I mean, if you ever bring a child into this service, you parents know, you bring a kid in here and it's like, it's tough to keep him quiet for like 10 minutes, right? I mean, it's just tough. It just, it just is, you know? But to try to do this for three months, stuffing him with food, shh, 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 you know, he may have been pretty plump by the end of the three months. I don't know, you know? I never thought about that till just now. But, you know, stuffing his mouth with food, trying to hide the fact that there's even a baby in the home, washing out his diapers in secret, hiding him the best they could, keeping his older brother and sister from telling anybody about him for three months. Have you ever tried to keep a little kid quiet about a secret for three months? But she was willing to do whatever it took, no matter what the cost, to protect her little boy, even if it meant that she'd lose her life. The story is told out of World War II. True story. Solomon Rosenberg and his family, his wife, their two sons, his mom and dad, they were arrested and they were placed in a Nazi concentration camp. It was a labor camp. The, the rules were really simple. As long as you can do your work, you're permitted to live. When you become too weak to work, then you're going to be exterminated. That was the rule. Rosenberg watched as his mom and dad were marched off to their deaths. And he knew the next would be his youngest child, David. Because David was a real frail child. Early in the evening, he would come back into the barracks after the labor, and he would search through all the faces to try to find his family. And when they found each other, they would huddle together. They would embrace each other. They would thank God for another day of life. One day, he came back, and he didn't see those familiar faces. He found his oldest son, who was his name is Joshua, and he was in a corner, and he was crying, and he was praying. He says, Josh, tell me it's not true. And Josh turned and he said, it's true, Papa. Today, David was not strong enough to do his work, so they came for him. But where's your mother? Asked Mr. Rosenberg. Oh, Papa. When they came for David, he was afraid and he cried. And Mama said, there's nothing to be afraid of, David. And she pulled him close and held him. 
And then she took his hand and went with him so he wouldn't have to be alone. That's a brave woman. And a great mom has extraordinary love for her children, the kind that Jesus showed to you and me and that we remembered earlier in communion. And that leads us to the third thing, and that is the brave brave woman will make sacrifices out of love. Take a look at the rest of this account in verses 3 through 10. When she could hide him no longer, she she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it, and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, while her young woman walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Which I just love that. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Think about that for a moment. This brave woman in faith did what she needed to do to protect her son, regardless of Pharaoh's edict. And then it turns around that she ends up getting paid from Pharaoh's coffers to raise her very own son. Isn't God good? It was her love for a child that motivated her. I think about her sacrifice. I think about her creativity. I think about her efforts. I think about her thinking about, now what can I do when this child becomes too big to hide any longer? I know I'll make a basket. And I think about her weaving together that basket and little Miriam and little Aaron watching her and her covering this thing in pitch. And, she, and she's, she's thinking, to, okay, I'm going to put him into the Nile River and maybe God will take care of him there. She's doing all she can to try to keep him alive. She's explaining things to her kids. She gets everything together when it is the day. You imagine her heart just beating. And she pushes through all of that. And she carries her boy in the basket She wades out into the water and she places him among the reeds so he's kind of nestled in there, not too far from shore. She leaves Miriam to watch. And then she leaves. You know, earlier we had the dedication of these children and these parents were dedicating their children to God. They were entrusting their children to God. They were saying these children belong to God. Miriam, in a sense, was entrusting her child to God, to his care. To what he would do. You think about what your mom has done for you. You know, despite her own hurts and habits and hangups, you know, moms and dads get concerned that maybe their kids are going to be messed up and have to go through therapy, and maybe they will, maybe ours will. But um, I'm just saying, the reality is, is that God is big enough to take all of that and still bring good. What kind of sacrifices did your mom make for you? Was she the last one to take food so that you all could have as much as you needed? Did she choose not to upgrade her wardrobe so there'd be resources for you? Did she shuttle you all over the place? Remember Heidi, when we lived in Chicago, she would drive 100 miles or more in a day just doing carpool stuff. How about working extra jobs? 
My mom went back and took a refresher course as an RN so she could help pay for my sister and my schooling. Did she work when she didn't have to? She is a brave woman who makes sacrifices out of love. And she's to be honored and celebrated. President Teddy Roosevelt said this. He said, when all is said, it is the mother and the mother only who is the better citizen than the soldier who fights for his country. The successful mother, the mother who does her part in rearing and training aright the boys and girls who are to be the men and women of the next generation is of greater use to the community, a more honorable as well as more important position than any man in it. The mother is the only supreme asset of the national life. She is more important by far than the successful statesman or businessman or artist or scientist. So here's some ideas of ways that you might honor or celebrate your mom. One is, maybe just take time and write down some specific things that you appreciate about her. If she's still living, you can share those things with her. If she's died, then you just thank God for blessing you with those specific things. Or maybe, if she's still living, you can just intentionally tell her a story or a thought or a memory you have that just reinforces how much you appreciate her or maybe about her bravery in her life. Plan what you're going to say ahead of time. Don't just do it off the cuff. Maybe, maybe one of the things you can do is like let your children know two or three positive things that you gained from your mom that are impacting them. And then tell two, two or three positive characteristics about their mom that you appreciate. Something that might be really powerful is if you're together with your mom, today is just to gather around her, lay hands on her, and pray for her. Pray a blessing over her. If your mom's distant, call her. Pray for her. Think of something that you value, maybe something that you were given in life, and the fact that she chose to give you birth alone may be all that you can say, but it is saying enough. And celebrate, not only your mom, but the women in your life for how brave they are. For every woman here, we want you to know that when you leave, you know, Every age and stage, we've got a flower that's going to be given to you on the way out. Just as our way of saying, we appreciate you, we honor you, we celebrate you. We've got a backdrop that's over by the fireplace where you can take pictures if you want to, uh, and, and you know to remember the day. And if you're new here, we invite you to stop by our connection room right by the front doors, where we'd love to meet you and give you a gift. I'm going to have you stand, I want to just say a prayer of blessing over everybody here. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every woman who's participating in this service. Those online, those in the room. God, I want to ask for your blessing upon them. We have so many brave women who are part of this church family. I pray that as they leave today, they would just know your smile is on them, your blessing is on them, your favor is on them, that what they do matters, that your grace and your favor in all things and all ways would extend to them on this day and in the days to come. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed and said, amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great day.